Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. Lazarus in ancient Israel was an ordinary man living out his faith. He and his sisters, Mary and Martha, believed in Jesus, but they suffered anyway. The ladies wondered why Christ didn't come immediately when they sent word to him to come and heal their brother. But Jesus was still on time, and he did a miracle beyond anyone's wildest expectations. Likewise, we might wonder where Christ is today in all the mayhem and craziness that's happening here in the United States and all across the world. Well, I assure you that he is in complete control and he is ready to come at the perfect moment. We're going to study more on this today in my message. He is coming to wake the dead from John, the 11th chapter, verses 1 to 44. Oh, Father God, I ask you, Lord God, to fill my mind and mouth with your spirit, Lord God. I pray that people would hear what the spirit is saying to the church today. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you will stir faith in people. You will anoint not only the speaker, but also the hearer. Lord God, let us be closer to you today. Salvation, sanctification, setting apart to you, and the filling of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministry. We pray for miraculous power coming from on high. In the name of Jesus Christ Almighty, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. We start at the beginning of John 11, appropriately enough, and the first four verses. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, at first, this story seems rather typical. Here is a family Jesus knows. It asks him for help. And he says, their brother's going to recover. Oh, isn't that great? That's what we expect from God. We have a need. We ask him. Immediately, he responds. And it's all taken care of completely and fully. But we will see in this chapter that the Lord's ways, timing, and purposes are often beyond our understanding of the moment. It's unexpected, sometimes maddening. They're always, in the end, building a witness for him and for us. We look at verses 5 and 6 of John 11. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So our Lord loves his family. They send to him to come, yet he stays two more days where he is. Now, we would probably say today, well, what is the matter with you, Jesus? Why why don't you get right over there and take care of this situation? Well, Christ knew exactly the circumstances, in fact, better than anyone else 
who was present with him, but he had a greater purpose in mind. And we'll find that the delay actually did no harm. Verses 7 to 10 read, Then after this, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. So Christ is finally, after this two-day wait, ready to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. This is dangerous for him, as our disciples remind him. Just in the previous chapter, John 10, you will see that the Jews took up stones to stone him, for he said, I and my Father are one, thus making himself equal with God. Fathers and sons were extremely close in that day in ancient Israel. To mention one's name was to also bring the power of the other. But danger was not at all the reason why he stayed. The timing was about to come together for God's glory and everyone's help. Verses 11 to 16 of John 11. These things he, Jesus, said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. If we don't look at this carefully, then we are going to miss a few important items. First, Jesus says that Lazarus is dead before our Lord leaves for the death scene. He knows something that we don't know yet. Second, Christ already is saying he is going to bring Lazarus back to life. He says he's going to wake him up, as in waking the dead. Only God can do that in resurrection. Thirdly, he says he's doing this to strengthen the disciples' faith. You wouldn't think that, would you? You would think that he's disappointing them by waiting. This man is dead. What's going to happen then? Well, often we get all worried when God has the situation very well in hand, and our fear makes our life so much worse. I've sometimes made a mistake, but the Lord stopped me in time for it to do no harm. He also has made it clear at various times I needed to go a different way. God also has made me aware of a blessing that I would have otherwise missed. He knows how to get our attention. Nothing escapes his gaze and his intellect. It's funny here, by the way, that Thomas said, let us go and die with Jesus. He wasn't listening very well, was he? Christ had only talked about bringing people back to life from this point on out. We're sometimes a little hard of hearing the Lord of glory ourselves, are we not? He says to us, trust me, don't worry. 
Do not worry for a thing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then let the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and guard your mind in Jesus Christ. But we keep picking up the worry, picking up the worry. This is where we have to do some practical spiritual warfare, according to 2 Corinthians 10.5. We need to cast down every argument, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, like fear and worry, which come from the devil. My friend, we've got to say, I am not going to give in to the father of lies. I'm going to go with God, the father, his son, Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And you know what? Isaiah 26, 3 says you will be kept in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on God and you trust in him. We go to John 11, verses 17 to 21. So when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So let's do a little bit of elementary geography and mathematics in a travel lane here. Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, and he waited where he was, 35 miles away from Bethany, which was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The Lord and his disciples walked most everywhere. We also know from this passage and others that they generally traveled only at night. Let's say that the group walked two or two and a half miles an hour on average. Jesus always liked to teach. They had to take rest stops. They also had to get out of the heat of the day, get something to eat, and the rest. It likely took them two days to walk from where they had been to Bethany. Now, we add the two days that Jesus stayed where he had been, and we get four days. Lazarus had been dead four days. That means that he passed on right about the time that the messengers reached Jesus beyond the Jordan. <laughs> Lazarus then, as Christ said, was indeed dead. And even if our Lord had left for Bethany immediately, he would have just had a day or two start and maybe been two days or so late. So it made absolutely no difference as far as healing Lazarus that he had waited two days. Now, why would he though wait two days in particular? Well, we don't know why except for what was a very popular Jewish custom and superstition. The Jews thought that the soul stayed near the body for three days after death. And so there had been, of course, described in the Old Testament, Elijah bringing people back to life. And so it was thought that the prayers of a holy man in the name of the only God could bring that soul back into the body. There was a little boy, for example, who was healed in the Old Testament by the prophet laying on him and calling back his soul into him, the life into him in the name of God. But in this case, with Lazarus being in that tomb for four days, that would have been beyond the three-day maximum 
for having the soul nearby. So the soul's well gone to heaven in the superstition of the Jews. This is not in the Bible. But yet, could he live? We're about to see yes. You see, we accuse and we blame the Lord an awful lot, not knowing the whole situation. Even if we do our due diligence and we look at all of the facts we possibly can, we are in all likelihood not going to see everything. Virtually impossible. But God, being omniscient, being able to see everything, being omnipresent, being able to be everywhere, being a spirit, he's far better than what we can do at our best day. Are we supposed to study? Are we supposed to show ourselves approved? You bet we are. A lot of people presume on God. They don't want to study. They just want to hear it from the Spirit. No, 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 no. We got to do our due diligence, yes. But God is the most diligent of all. We trust him even as we try to do what we're supposed to do. John 11, verses 22 to 27. Martha said to Christ, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. He's caught in the name of Jesus even before the resurrection. Where Martha is, is where we should be if we're challenged in our faith, wondering what God's doing or not doing in our lives. She still believes in him in spite of his going against her expectations. She states her faith cautiously. Oh, I know that Lazarus is going to rise up at time's end. But when challenged by Jesus, she wholeheartedly proclaims he is the Messiah and nothing is impossible for him. Praise God. He even has power over death. Remember that. When you're threatened by this world, when it says it's going to take away your life for your livelihood, your family, your property. For those who are left during the tribulation, this is on all likelihood going to happen. But remember, if they kill you, they can't kill your soul. And it's going to be resurrected with your body and live upon this earth in a perfected state for a thousand years if you remain faithful to Jesus Christ. And then forever, even better, in the new Jerusalem, fully of God's making and never of man's tainting. I have this feeling that Martha suspected that Jesus was going to resurrect Lazarus, but she was fighting that very idea, a bit like Abraham's described in Romans 4.18, is hoping against hope, in hope believing. Could it, could it be true? He's dead. Maybe, maybe the rabbi can do more than I thought even he could do. Could, could it still be? Could it still be? John 11, 28 to 32. And when she had said these things, 
She went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We've heard that before. Mary says the same as Martha. The sisters are different. Martha is the one who's busy about the serving. Mary is the one who likes to listen to Jesus at his feet. But there's some things that unite us all. Life and death would be one of those. She says, if Jesus had come, Lazarus would still be alive. Why, Lord, why? As we often ask, why, Lord, why did my mother have to die? Why did my boy have to die? Why did my sister have to suffer that way? So many people turn away from Christ because of this. Friend, this world is fallen and sinful. The devil is real. He hates us. He's a murderer. John 8, 44 says, not only is he the father of lies, he was a murderer from the beginning. And so we've got to fight as well against the distressing spirits who accuse God and those in him. They are rising here at the end of time, Paul had predicted in his letters, and thus it is so. We see, though, that Though both Mary and Martha say that if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died, that's false. But he doesn't correct them. He's not going to get turned aside from his focus. He's going to do what he came to do. When people bring up false arguments to you, don't get on a rabbit trail along with them. What they're probably trying to do is get away from the point that you just made to them that makes their argument completely silly. I've seen this a lot with us, Eternity Now, on Facebook and Twitter and other places. You'll have people, they'll try to make a point. Then we go to the Word of God, we go to history, and we go to logic and completely obliterate that point by the Lord's power. Then they hop on something else. Oh, what about this? Well, that one's wrong. Well, what about this over here? See, that's the devil. He's always speaking out of his own resources. He won't do any study. He won't listen to reason. He won't try to get at the truth. He'll just try to get his way. <laughs> just like Job, we often speculate wrongly. When God fails to do something we want, but he says to us, trust me. Only later, perhaps showing us why he led us down a different path. I remember there was a young lady that I was planning to marry some years ago. She was a uh, Lovely one. She had lovely kids. But the Lord warned me away from her. I knew that I had the chance to marry her. But I also knew the Lord's voice. And I tried to start suppressing it. And he said, oh, you've been warned. I stopped right there. I know when the Lord persists in something like this, he means business. And I saw exactly why that was so a year or two later. When God is assistant with you, don't. Just try to quench his voice because you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. Listen, listen, listen. God is trying to lead us away 
from trouble and trial, error and heartbreak. Now, we're not going to be spared all of it by any means in this evil existence, getting more evil by the second, not just day. But he does have a special protection, a special guidance for us away from death and harm and difficulty if we'll just listen to him. He is bringing down that power of the devil because he is greater. John 11, verses 33 to 37. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? This passage has the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Just two words. But it's also one of the most important. You see, Jesus cares about our trials, as the old hymn says. He cares about our temptations. He cares about our heartbreak and our pain and our angst. He doesn't want us to have to go through it. But in this world of cares, we were just singing a minute ago, we're going to have hardship. Jesus Christ, though, gave us a promise in John 16, 33, just before he was to go to the cross. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty and hard times. But be of good cheer. Take courage, he says. I have overcome the world. And when we are in Christ, we follow the Lord by his spirit. We overcome the world, too. They can't get us to renounce our faith. They can't get us to lose our soul. They can't get us to be left out of the resurrection. They can't take our Lord. Uh, praise God. Jesus Christ himself said, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who can kill the body, but not the soul. Fear him who can kill both the body and the soul in Gehenna. That is hell. Don't fear these people's foreheads, as he said to the prophets of old. Don't let their fierce gaze stare you down. Just know that God is greater, and he will get you home to him in good shape and with a good testimony. Praise God. The Lord is moved by our plight. Verses 38 to 40 of John 11. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, but if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. One of my favorite verses of all time. Martha is a very practical lady. Jesus is just about to do a great work, but she taps him on the shoulder and said, Yeah, he's dead four days. You know, he's decaying, Lord. Uh, it's going to be a pretty bad odor if we open this up. <laughs> but Christ preps her for a miracle. Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I bet you. 
our hearts going fluttering right now. It's like, I, I think maybe he's going to do what I want him to do. Can I see my brother alive again in this life? The Lord says that to us today as well. Yes, I know this world is in one horrible mess. It seems like everybody is lying and greed is everywhere. Knowing, believe, has respect for God for doing what he says. But he adds, believe in me, stay with me, abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. You will have love, joy, peace, patience, loving kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, while the world goes literally to hell. Personally, I know how maddening this globe has become. I lead people to Christ. Some supposed Christians hate me for it. I bring folks into dialogue with the church and me, getting them over to hear about the Lord. That someone not even involved in any of it causes trouble for no reason by some misled satanic thoughts. I do excellent media work. A crazy person undercuts my efforts. Do you realize that those who turn aside the author of, offer of Jesus Christ to be saved, that's craziness. They're believing the devil who is tossed out of heaven for rebelling against God and who's going to be destroyed permanently every single moment of eternity in hell. <laughs> Not too smart. But friend, I remember, and I want you to remember, we're about to rise and not just get up off a chair. We're about to get up out of the grave. We're about to get up off of this fallen earth. We're about to get up to Jesus and be with him forever. <laughs> Praise God. If we just stand firm, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and we will inherit all things, no less than authority that Jesus Christ Almighty has said to us. And now those last four verses. John 11, verses 41 to 44. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that you may believe that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Devil, loose him and let him go in the name of God. Praise God, he's going to say that to Satan. And it's going to stick for all time. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Christ does the ultimate miracle, defeating death. Hell in the grave and bringing the deceased back to full life again. Anyone can kill, but only God can make alive. Jesus gives honor to his father, praying to him, crediting him, so the Jews don't think his son is just some itinerant medicine man. Christ said in John 5, 25, most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. Now, back then he was talking about the dead men walking, the unsaved trying to save themselves. 
through religiosity, empty of spirit and meaning. But when those who would follow him heard, they would be saved and resurrected from this deadness in their sins and trespasses. Now he is saying it again to us, calling to those gone before to rise and meet him in the air. And all of us who once were dead in our sins and trespasses, then to rise with them, and we shall be together forevermore with the Lord. I remind you of 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. Our brother Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. <laughs> Praise God. That's the, that's the promise. That's the rapture that's coming a moment, any second. Comfort does not come from trying to pretend that revelation isn't accurate as a presentation of what will in actuality transpire on the earth in the end times, as some amillennialists say as we talked about last week. Comfort does not come from those who say, we're going to tough it out for the worst seven years in history. Comfort does come from God's promise given to us straight from Jesus Christ Almighty himself in Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which is to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. Yes, let us comfort one another with these words. Friend, if you take comfort in this world, or thinking that it's going to continue in this vein forever, that you're a fool. This world is about to burn up, be shut like a pea, and it's going to be tossed away. We're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. We're going to have a new Jerusalem. Before it's all over, we're going to have a millennial kingdom to show what this world was supposed to be like. For all of its thousands of years, he's going to give us 1,000, though, 13 lifetimes worth to enjoy this place as he made it. Isn't that good of our God? Six takeaways today. Number one, God has information and plans we don't know about. God has information and plans we don't know about. Just as Jesus knew that Lazarus was already dead when the messengers came about Lazarus's illness from Mary and Martha. So his knowledge is far beyond ours. <laughs> Number two, the Lord's purposes and methods are on a much grander scale than ours. The Lord's purposes and methods are on a far grander scale than ours. Mary and Martha just wanted Lazarus to recover. 
and be with them longer. Well, the Lord wanted that too. But he also desired to stir faith in the Jews that they could overcome death, hell, and the grave with him if they would only believe. Number three, Christ cares about our struggles, feelings, and eternity. Christ cares about our struggles, feelings, and eternity. He knew all the facts about Lazarus' situation. He knew. He proclaimed at the very beginning he was going to resurrect him. And yet what happened when he saw the tumult with Mary and Martha and their friends? He wept. The Lord of glory wept. He is so sensitive and loving. I preached a few weeks ago from the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's, we say to him. My beloved is mine. He loves us. He goes on for several verses about how beautiful we are as the bride of Christ. But you know we're not real beautiful on this earth. I'm not real beautiful. I'm past pastor years. Ah, but you see, he sees us. With the eyes of faith, the eyes of eternity, the eyes of new life, the eyes seeing that we're born again. And all is well with our beloved. Number four, we must not think God is against us for life doesn't go our way. He is for us always. We must not think God is against us when life doesn't go our way. He is for us always. Here in John 11, he answered Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' prayers. Just on a little bit different timetable. Had some additional purposes to fulfill. Number five, when something bad happens we don't understand, we must trust that God knows and is working it all together for our good. For Romans 8.28, when something bad happens we don't understand, we must trust that God knows and is working it together for good. For Romans 8.28, Martha had that kind of faith. Yes, she complained about Jesus not being there before her brother died. But her trust in the Lord remained, though his ways were far above hers. Whenever there is something bad happening in our lives, we need to remember, number one, God loves us. He loves us so much, he said his own beloved son to die for us horribly on a cross. And not only that, but for 33 years to suffer the indignities, the brickbacks, the hell from the unsaved, which we were like before we knew the Lord. we got to remember, he is for us always. And he is going to work it all together for good, even better oftentimes than if the bad had never happened. I've seen it happen myself. <laughs> and number six, whatever the odds, catcalls, invective, or opposition, we must have faith to the end that Jesus is coming back for us, and he will fulfill every promise in the Bible, including the rapture. Whatever the odds, catcalls, invective, or opposition, we must have faith to the end that Jesus is coming back for us and will fulfill every promise in the Bible, including the rapture. Everybody who knew Lazarus thought that Christ was not going to come and heal him. All of them were wrong. 
Second Peter 3, 3 to 6 says, Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were since the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Jesus himself in Matthew 24 showed that Noah's ark is a type of the rapture. God warned Noah. Noah heeded him and worked and testified. Everyone laughed at him for doing so, but they all then drowned. When the Lord took Noah and seven other members of his family, out of the judgment through a vessel of the Lord's own choosing. At the end of this age, the Lord's vessel is going to take his own out of the judgment in the rapture. And all left behind will endure the wrath of almighty God. Jesus has promised us he will come for his bride and judge the world. All the Bedlam we're seeing today was prophesied millennia ago. Just look up my messages. A moment, any second would do that. All of this, but yet God is in control. You see, Satan is loose for a little while. He's wreaking all kind of havoc around this world in the U.S. at its highest levels in government, its lowest level in the streets. Craziness all across, perplexity of nations in this globe. He hasn't taken the Lord by surprise at all. It's just fulfilling what he said. I want to ask you today, are you going to be on God's voyage out of judgment? Are you saved? Are you going to be going up in the rapture? Or will you be here under Antichrist? The choice is stark and the choice is real. You can avoid both hell on earth and hell itself by being saved today. And if you've been in that far country away from the Lord, be rededicated to God in Christ. There are four essentials to salvation. It's pretty simple, really. Man just makes it pretty complex. Number one, repent of your sins. That which you've done wrong and that which you have not done you should have. God will surely forgive you. Because of Christ. Confess faith in Jesus. He is the only one who ever walked this earth sinlessly for his entire life. It's not possible otherwise. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's how it's possible. His nature spiritually was perfect. His body was not. But you see, he had to be in that body to be the ultimate sacrifice. To fulfill all of the law. All the rules and regulations we have to live by. They let it pass away so that we could live by faith and the Holy Spirit could indwell us. Believe Jesus Christ rose in body and spirit. Friend, just like he took Lazarus out of the grave, so God the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, took Jesus out of the grave. They're both alive with God the Father right now, with the Holy Spirit all around. Praise God in the name of Jesus. If Christ doesn't live in body and spirit, we don't either. But he does, and we will. And follow our Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's in charge. He redeemed the world. God the Father has committed all judgment to him. 
because he died so that the world might live. If there are those who are going to reject his offer, he gets to pronounce their doom, and he will. There's not clemency for people who live like hell and have nothing to do with Jesus in this life. This life is your purgatory. This life that we are in right now is your test. This life is the time to decide because Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Friend, if you die without Christ, you go to hell. If you live without Christ and he comes to judge, you go to hell. But if you decide for Christ and you keep walking, you follow him, you walk into heaven and walk with him forever. That's the simple truth of it all. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance and faith in Christ. You can repeat after me. If you believe this what you repeat, then you will be saved. And you just keep walking with Jesus Christ all the way to the end. If he abides in us and we in him, we produce, we produce much fruit. We are testifying of him truly. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ Died for my sins. I confess him. I believe he rose. In body and spirit. The third day. In the tomb. I will follow him. As Lord and Savior. Repenting should I fall. I'll come into my heart. Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name, <laughs> amen and amen. All glory to the Father, Son, and Spirit. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Just feeling a very strong dose of the Holy Spirit right now. I want to tell you, that you have begun that journey with that single step. Just keep on walking toward God. How do you do that once you're saved? If you're rededicating yourself to God, well, how do you now follow God faithfully? Number one, get baptized in water by immersion. The amount of water isn't so much as to do it on the right side of the cross after you believe. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus modeled for us. He didn't get baptized as an infant. He got baptized as the Christ, Son of God, as a man, because it was a role model for us. It was what we were supposed to do. He didn't have to be baptized because he's sinless. We're baptized because we've repented of our sins and been saved, and this is a public profession of faith. We also read the Bible to be able to know who God is much better. We can feel the Holy Spirit. We can think things, God can send us messages, but we can only test all of these things by the scripture, which is without error preserved forever by the spirit of God and faithful translations. We need to know the Bible to possess those 7,500 promises, nearly one for every hour in a year, yes, hour in a year, and have them. How do we get them? We pray. We ask God, Lord, I'm feeling alone. Help me not to feel alone. Help me to feel your presence. Help me to know that you're with me and to move forward, not go back. 
That's always been one of my problems. It was my dad's problem before me. We come to church. We got to get together. Now, maybe we're going to have to do it online. There's a lot of unbiblical pastors and there's a lot of unbiblical people in churches and leadership, unfortunately. I understand. I fully feel your pain, so to speak, in that literally and figuratively. But we got to get together. We're going to be outlining some ways that you can be involved in immediate type membership here with this ministry because there is such a shortage of good biblical teaching, preaching, and living out in the church today. But we also ask if you're here, come on to 1821 First Avenue in downtown Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Friends, you're going to find other friends here. You're going to be able to work in the body of Christ. You're going to be able to storm the gates of hell and pull people out of the devil's clutches, just like the Lord said we would and promised he'd give us the power to do. That's what we're supposed to be up to as believers. We fellowship with other believers. This is not a Lone Ranger Christianity where you're a cursory acquaintance. You might just possibly recognize a couple of people at church each week that you go. No, we're supposed to know each other well. We're supposed to break bread with each other. We're supposed to have a, a drink of coffee with each other. We're supposed to know what each other's going through and pray for each other and help each other tangibly. Somebody needs to move. Oh, hey, we get a few people from the church to help. Hey, somebody needs a job. Well, let's put that out in our contacts and be able to see if we can find one for the guy. These are the things that churches do together. These are the things friends do together. These are the things that those who are born again and will live forever together do together. And then pursue personal relationship with Almighty God. Yes, you can know him. He knows you. He knows every cell in your framework. Uh, he knows every thought that's ever been in your mind. He knows everything you've ever done and, and avoided doing. Why don't you get to know him a little better like that? I have begun to, and I'll tell you, it's good news. <laughs> it's good news because he's for you and not against you. No, 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 no. Don't believe that devil. God is for you and not against you. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over 100 videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's EternityNow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Hallelujah.